That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wint. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch. And this is Bat Force Radio. Welcome to Bat Force Radio, the Batman slash DC podcast with no limits. Super important episode tonight um, for our big guy, the B-Man. Let's get the panel out of the, the way. I got Grandpa Batman, a.k.a. Dr. Do over in Texas. Howdy doody. <laughs> Bat Force Tom over in sunny California. Big old shout out to uh, Joy Lawrence's Angels. <laughs> and I got Robin Cross up in Canada. Shazam, because I'm still amped from up Damn, Shazam. Oh, go see Shazam April 5th. We got a really, this is a really important, su- such an important week for any Batman fan in the world, especially the Bat Force. This is a historic moment. Detective Comics, number 27, back in 1939 is when Batman first appeared to the world. And this week, Detective Comics, number 1000, hits the stands in print. So it's the only the second ongoing comic book series to do that, the first being Action Comics with Superman. DC Comics has put out a... How many pages is this, Robin? Is it a 90-page bastard or a... A thousand. (laughs) (laughs) It's an omnibus as fuck. One million pages. (laughs) One million. (laughs) I think it's just under 100, man. I was looking at the file numbers. It looks like... um... A little under. Uh, it's uh, in without ads and everything. It's uh, a ninety-seven page bastard. Ninety-seven page bastard. A nice big um, concoction of amazing Batman stories and art from uh, the industry's leading writers and artists over at DC Comics. I, let's let's uh, entice the reader to understand exactly what makes the book because I think uh, some people don't even pick up the comics that listen to the stack. They just like hearing our uh, synopsis of it. So I don't think the people truly understand what Detective Comics issue 1000 comprises of. So anybody want to like just describe what this book kind of was? Uh, yeah, basically, uh, if, if this is what you mean, it's a collection of prolific writers and artists, most of them from the history of, uh, of Batman and Detective Comics, but uh, also a few guys that aren't known so much uh, for being Batman creators, but uh, we've got... Aside from people that you had to have in here, like you know, the book kicks off with Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo. You've got Tom King in here, Jim Lee, uh, all, all the names you'd expect to get in here. Bendis, writing, uh, writing on yeah. Batman. Yep, for sure. That's a lot of heavy yeah. hitters, man. Think about, I mean, well, I guess he is a big name for Marvel, but I was like, man, they're they're throwing Bendis in on the Detective Issue One Thousand already with a Batman story. Um, yeah, he is. Uh, Bendis has also been writing the. The Batman Giant, uh, the Walmart oh, right. exclusive comics. Uh, the Walmart exclusive. I got, I got all of those. Thanks, Dunk. You're one nag. The other thing about this issue as well is the book caps off with what is the introduction to the next story arc in Detective Comics. It does. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, this isn't really a spoiler. It's been quite publicized uh, leading in, but 
this uh, next arc will be introducing the, I guess, canon iteration of the Arkham Knight. Whoa! Whoa, dude. Um, and for anyone who might be not that big into the continuity of comics, so a little more casual, but this is definitely a book I would suggest any and everyone to pick up, especially, you know, even the people that might just read casually because it reminds me a little of one of my favorite uh, collections of all time, which is um, Batman Black and White Volume 4, which is pretty much the same thing. It's just this um, hodgepodge of amazing artists and writers coming together and putting out some of the best short Batman stories. It's like quintessential Batman storytelling that anybody can jump into and enjoy. And it really touches on the core and foundation of Batman, his um, past, his pain, his detective skills, all that good stuff. And what's really cool about Detective 1000 is that um, there's this ongoing theme with the uh, the blue cowl and yellow um, oval on his chest, too, mm. which I think is really, which is a nice touch, a nice little nod to the past. Uh, celebrating. Was that what, that was in every uh, one shot? Uh, off and on, it's like every other actually. In the interesting, I don't even think I noticed that. We could start with Batman's longest case with Scott Steiner and Greg Capullo. Batman's on this long de- detective journey. It's really dense to get into, but it, it pretty much leads him all over the world, all the way back to an apartment in Gotham City, isn't it? In Gotham? Well, he he yeah. mentions how this case started during you know one of his first cases ever as Batman. Right. Yeah. And you see him reaching for this glass object, and he has the purple glove. Mm. So, you know, it's kind of like, you know, back when he was in, yeah. you know, his very first incarnation of, of, of Batman. So that was pretty cool to see. I love I him. like the, uh, the very first line of the book. Uh, it's you know, Batman's uh, inner dialogue with him you know, to, to the reader. Uh, and the first words are, it's a case that seems to have a thousand parts. Touching on you know, Detective Comics 1000. So as Batman was, you know, involved with this one case, he noticed something else, and through the years, picked up little clues here and picked up little clues here, followed a lead here. Over time, it finally led him to the final spot in Gotham City, and he was hoping that this would be, you know, the end of the of the uh, journey and to find the answer. But it was really more of the beginning. So, yeah, he leads into the apartment where he finds that secret passage and into this extended library, it looks like, with, um, who is it? Uh, is that Detective Chimp, Martian Manhunter, Hawkgirl, Hawkman? Uh, uh, the question. The answer. They're the Detective Guild? Is that who they are? Guild of Detection. Yeah, that's it. And uh, finally uh, allowing him to join. Kind of had to prove himself, I guess, to them in a way. I loved it when they said... You know, Hawkman was like, what the hell took you so long, man? <laughs> They're pretty much talking about how when, when you think you got something figured out, it's really only the beginning. And he takes one of these really old books from the library and goes through it. And he's like just stunned about how uh, how it's just, you know, the tip of the iceberg, I suppose. I think he opened up to uh, the right page and saw Talia did what to me? <laughs> this would be cool if this kind of branched off into its own little like, you know, spinoff book. Maybe like a eight issue mini or something like that. Does it uh, at all tie into the stuff that he's doing though with um, Georgie Jim- Jimenez? I believe it's pronounced. <laughs> Seems like oh, it would be right up that alley, wouldn't it? Yeah, he could definitely fold it into that. Like maybe down the line, eventually, you know, like some. It's just uh, what what I liked about it is 
it it kind of gave a flavor of a little bit of what he's doing with uh, Justice League right now. Yeah, with uh, Georgie, it's got that same kind of feel where it's like massive and long and historical, and it's happening on a grand scale where everything else, like ground level, is underneath it. But this has like very big uh, connotations. I think that's a good place where Snyder can live when he writes. Is like if he's given this big, broad platform, um, he gets to kind of stretch his legs out. So that's why I really like the Justice League stuff that he's been doing lately. Is because you could tell he's been wanting to do something like that, but you can't really do too much of that um, just in Gotham because it's so street level. And uh, this kind of gives him an opportunity to just kind of like unleash. So good stuff. Yeah, man. Who wants to take us through the next story, Manufacture for Use by um, Kevin Smith and uh, Jim Lee? Dude. I thought you were going to do that one. No, I'm not really familiar with the writer, so I thought maybe. <laughs> this was probably, that was, okay, so like I think it's between two, it's between this one and the Bendis one that I think is my favorite. I was, uh, I, I guess I wasn't paying attention that I didn't, or maybe just didn't click that Kevin Smith had written a story in this issue, but, and I did some green arrow stuff. Um, he's been writing off and on, you know, here and there, like they invite him to write some stuff. Uh, but he hadn't done like, I think a proper Batman story in a bit. So, um, this was cool. Uh, Jim Lee was, did the art for it, obviously. And, uh, it kind of, um, ties into the origin of, of, uh, the murder of his parents. And, you know, obviously everyone knows that origin of how, um, um what's his face uh jack napier shoots his parents right right it was jack <laughs> napier and of course, uh, of course so what's what's awesome about it is he like goes on this quest to uh the, he uses the matches malone uh id right um he tracks down the gun he finds a gun that shot his parents that was used to kill and murder his parents and he brings it back to the i don't want to spoil it I, yeah i shouldn't spoil it. are we spoiling it what are we doing spoilers yeah, I- I think this is yeah, a spoiler. Yeah, spoiler. Okay, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, spoilers. Is, yeah. So, so yeah, he he finds the gun, and, and the whole time it's like it's so you know Alfred is the one who's kind of like the voice of the audience in this, uh, in this in this one shot where he's like you know you're you track down the gun that murdered your parents like even for you this is really grim, you know what are you gonna do with it? You're gonna destroy it, and so he starts melting it down. You see he's like boiling it down and melting it because Alfred thinks he's gonna destroy it, so that way he's not haunted by the memory anymore. And he starts talking about how like his mother and father were his whole life and you know they were they were the people that loved him and they were his they were his uh his family and he was brokenhearted when um you know they were taken from him and it's always gonna be a scar over his heart, you know, to uh to have his parents have, have been taken to him for so long. So he decides that he's going to melt down the steel that or melt down the um the metals that would have made the gun and instead use it as a plate over his heart to protect his heart for, for an hour. That was fucking like, Holy shit, man. Yeah. That, so that, good. that line at the end where he says, so the metal that broke my heart as a child, that same metal will protect my heart as a man. Yeah. I, when, Dude, man, that when, that I, when I read that, I was like, Holy shit, man, whoever Kevin Smith's ghostwriter is needs a fucking raise, man. Cause that was, <laughs> it, it was uh, Frank Miller, obviously yeah, because he, he, he had the metal, thing. metal plate, on the chest, he, oh, you know where he got that you from. You know where he Dude, got that from. <laughs> but that's what I like. That's what I like about Kevin Smith is he like knows to put in little details like that about his favorite like writers or uh, or artists, and he'll always like put a nod like that in there. Um, so you know he's legit. You know, you know he's been uh, he's been like actually reading comics as a fan for a long time. So that was really cool. Like that whole story, I didn't oh, know where shit. it was going. Well, you know, 
and this story is only like about what seven or eight pages. But after I read the very end reveal, I went back to the beginning and noticed that every rogue that he's fighting, yeah. you know, they're hitting him in the chest and um, they're scratching him across the chest. So, you know, it shows throughout his time as Batman that that actually came into play a lot of times, you know, for protection. You know, you know what would have been the only thing. What would have made it even a little cooler is if the this is so ridiculous, but the pawn shop he was in, if that was the same pawn shop that the crow went to, where he found, uh, to get the ring that he put on his wife before they got killed. That was I don't know. Fuck off, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, like to have that guy in the in the uh, the pawn shop, like yeah, those two rich stiffs got killed, and uh, this was left over there. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just when I think pawn shop, I think that. But uh. and then and then if that was happening there, then there would there would have to be some little mention of him buying some wedding rings from somebody. Perfect. Yeah, or like you see a little tag on the box uh, yeah. that said like Devil's Night or something. I don't know. But uh. um, the next story has to do with um, all of Gotham's rogues complaining about a henchman named um, Newt Brody, who apparently keeps screwing up on the job and getting people caught or you know just fucking up the plans and they're all angry about it i mean i kind of saw where this was going but it was still fun this one was fun yeah and they just keep recalling about how he just kept fucking everything up and And, uh we should note that uh this story is by paul dini and dustin newman yeah and then uh he pretty much accidentally quote-unquote accidentally sets pamela isley's uh greenhouse on fire and um and then you cut over to see that uh it's pretty much the Bat family dressing up as this guy, New Brody, that keeps foiling all the rogues' plans and everything like that. So <laughs> that was very Paul Dini. That's uh, that's what's cool is I read all of these without reading who the artists and writers were. I was trying to guess and just kept going, but uh, it's kind of cool to see who's who. The next one I really enjoyed actually. Uh, it's a group of uh, criminals who have, I guess, they got some kind of high tech armor on. Batman. Uh, he pretty much did his homework on them. And he's uh, taking them out one by one, knowing exactly how everything's going to go down. But when he finally gets to the last one, the most complicated one, which is like the boss, he had to approach uh, this guy. He pre- he's pretty much threatening to poison Gotham City water and it's going to be contaminated for like ever if Batman doesn't do something about it. And Batman says something to the extent like, you know, I, I have a plan. I've studied him. He doesn't know if he's more afraid of dying or living. And he's like, I'm ready to give him the push. And what Bat, this quote from Batman was really fucking good. He, he, he tells the guy, he tells the criminal, or the super criminal, whatever. He's like, look at me. I'm already dead. Look at me. I'm trapped in this place, and all I do is haunt the living. And I was like, fucking hell. He's not lying. <laughs> he's not lying. He, yeah. he, his soul really is dead. Yeah. You know? And he goes, is that what you want for yourself? And the guy goes, no. Hands over the, the trigger, and I was like, "Fucking hell, that's I, good Batman storytelling, man." Yeah, I really like this writer Warren Ellis. He he has another line in the very opening scene, um, and this is something that, you know, it, yeah, it's a Batman story, but it's also relatable to life too. And he, you know, Batman's like he's chasing them, but he's basically guiding them away from Gotham City far enough before he can take them out. And, um, you know, he's like, I've guided them out here to the waterfront. Someone once said that if you don't have a plan, you become part of someone else's plan. And I was like, holy shit, that is deep. This is a comic. Yeah, that is some good. That's some good writing right there. It's almost like saying 
if you're not getting your due, you become someone else's due. <laughs> That's true. That is true. So <laughs> yeah, that, that uh, was one of my favorite. Speaking of due, uh, the art on this, Becky Cloonan. Uh, we need more Becky Cloonan on Batman books. She also has one of the coolest Batman black and white statues that's ever come out. Uh, yeah, that's came true. Out last year, yeah, the one where she, he's uh, hovering a little bit off the ground and the cape is sticking out all around him. All right, next one is Return to Crime Alley, a story at Crime Alley with Leslie Tompkins as old lady Leslie Tompkins, not super hot smoke at Leslie Tompkins from Gotham, but the real Leslie Tompkins. And uh, this one was pretty interesting. I, I, first of all, the art was really good. So you have a bunch of kids at this, like, party store, right? Costume store. They're just grabbing masks and fucking around, right? Uh, but one of them finds a gun. So yeah. Yeah. So they run out with it. Batman's pretty much talking to Leslie. And Leslie's concerned about Batman. She thinks he's changed for the worse. She's All right, so she said, um, what happened to you and your parents was obscene, but you survived and you could have used that tragedy to motivate a life in charity and altruism. Yeah. You could have lessened the world's misery. She's, she's implying that he's, I guess, kind of a savage. So what happens is yeah. um, these kids with the masks and gun, they don't think it's the real Batman. They find out. <laughs> yeah. So, they, yeah they don't, for some reason, they don't think, and they go up to, they, you know, they're going to they, 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 think, they didn't give him his due. <laughs> Not at all. And they're like, they're like, hey, old lady, let me hold your, your money one time or something like that. You know, they want to rob or whatever. And he pulls the gun out. And then Bats pretty much says, you dare pull a gun on me? That's kind of reminiscent to uh, Norm Brayfogel. There's this old issue with Norm Brayfogel that he drew, and Batman's face is just full of rage. And he's saying something to the, you know, something to the extent like, oh, does this gun make you feel like a man? Do you feel like a tough guy with this gun? Or, or something like that. It really reminds me of that. And, he, you know, he smacks the gun out of the kid's hand, uh, pretty much beats the shit. Out of uh, yellow chest symbol, by the way, guys. Uh, this is another one he's in, and he's pounding the shit out of these guys. And um, Leslie says, "You have to stop." And you know, she feels bad for these kids getting pounded by Batman. And okay, he... and yeah, go ahead. this is the part, and this was written by Denny O'Neill. This is the one story I have a problem with. All right, well, let's just finish it, and then you can tell us. Like the same sure, finish it. And uh, finish it. Batman, you know, Leslie feels she's like, "Oh, you poor thing." And then Batman asks, you feel sorry for him? And she looks up at him and goes, no, for you. While all you know, while all the three kids are laying down on the ground underneath the lamppost, I guess what's supposed to be in Crime Alley. I found this a little weird, uh, little strange as well. I didn't get this one completely. Um, what's your take on it, guys, actually? Why is she yelling Batman's real name out in front of these random-ass yeah. kids? Exactly. It felt very Elseworlds to me, this one. It was just like, Leslie wouldn't do that. But, but aside, outside of that, it's a, it's an interesting story. It's cool that uh, it's Denny O'Neill, and Steve Epting is another artist whose style really does well for Batman, and it would be cool to see more of him doing it. And Elizabeth Brightweiser Colors, we've seen her working with Lee we- Lee Weeks on uh, Batman issues lately, so their uh, their styles together re- work really well for Batman. We're gonna slide over to. Um... What's the Penguin story called? It's called I Know. I Know. Okay, so the Penguin story is called I Know. So uh, what what happens in this one? Fucking amazing. So good, dude. This is basically... So, go ahead, Gramps. Take it away. It's like old man Oswald confronts a uh, an old man in a wheelchair kind of out by the, the ocean side. And he's like, do you recognize me? Wait, wait, wait. 
I love how he keeps doing the the penguin wham. And yeah. he's like, you know, his name, it's Bruce Wayne. I've known all along. And, you know, it's, and it's basically Oswald's, you know, confession that all these years he knew who Batman was. He put together all the clues, even kept the secret from, you know, Joker and the other rogues. But throughout the years, he realized, you know, I have the chance to take him down now. I had the chance to take him down now. And then he kind of put together a plan to actually take, you know, Bruce Wayne, Batman down and was getting ready to, uh, you know, blow up Bruce, uh, blow up Wayne Manor. And then he realized something. um, He said, Bruce Wayne is the only thing keeping me alive. If he's wrong, then he knows that Batman will probably kill him. It's a pretty cool story. And I love the artwork by Alex Maleev. Has he ever done I, a Batman story before? I think he's done a little bits of Batman stuff over the years, but uh, I don't think he's ever had a, a proper run on anything. But uh, I like after uh, Oswald gets up in his face, you know, telling him I knew, blah, 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 and getting real confrontational. Bruce zaps him with uh, a taser that's <laughs> in the wheelchair. So yeah. I knew, knew Oswald. Same way I knew what a coward you were. It's such a badass semi-futuristic wheelchair. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta throw out that uh, I love the uh, Batman Returns reference with the Penguin Commandos um, yeah. that are kind of littered around him. Um, I love that it very much looks like a Danny DeVito Penguin uh, at yeah, some point. Um, like very much looks like him. That art is absolutely fantastic. The grays and the tones that they use, like kind of like in the flashback. This this is probably like no, so so if I had to pick a sentimental favorite was a Kevin Smith one if I had to pick like an overall favorite it was this one he like, looks like Robert De Niro on that first page Bruce does old Bruce yeah that's yeah, before you know who he's talking to right I lo- that's what I love too it's like I, I you know I love that uh, I thought he's just talking smack to me it makes it seem like he's just talking shit to some random guy. And like you're not sure who it is, and then at the very end you realize it's Bruce in a wheelchair, and it's like, fuck, this is awesome. This story in particular is one of the reasons why I'm excited to get the physical copy of the book uh, on uh, tomorrow, you, Tuesday. Do you think uh, we'll get um, the novelization uh, as well? Do you think there's a chance? Oh yeah, it's coming. <laughs> but uh, I I want to see this title page, the the two page spread that's the title page of the story, just to see this in the physical copy. Nice mm. copies. How many variants are you getting of this book? Yikes. How much Ooh, are these books going to be? This is a dangerous one. Uh, this is a $10 cover. $10 Ooh. bastard. Holy shit. Choose wisely, blokes. There's <laughs> like over That's 20 a, variants, a, right? A dollar, a dollar per 10 pages, I guess. Hello? Yeah. Grumps. <laughs> the Grump. Breaking news. This actually likes a fucking Kevin Smith written story. I, lo- uh-huh. I, I love Kevin Smith's ghostwriter, man. I need, I give the man a raise, bro. He's so good. <laughs> fucking. I think that might be my favorite story in the book. Oh, oh Grump, Grump, Grump. Not the only one. Well, we, we went over that one just now, and then we also just covered the Alex Maleev, Brent Bendis one. Right now, we're on to, oh, that um, was great too. we're on Grumps' favorite artist right now, so that's pretty good. Actually, uh, Jeff Johns and Kelly Jones for The Last Crime in Gotham. This, oh, my God. This was so interesting. How, how, how many fam, fam girls already started, like, Echo Pages? 
Echo Wayne or whatever. Yeah. This is interesting uh, because um the end I wanted to talk to you guys about. So uh as soon as I got to the second page on this, I got excited like, oh, it's gonna be birthday boy. It's gonna be birthday I boy. It was, I know. Dude, I know. That's who I, I thought it was gonna be too. The creepiest <laughs> rogue ever in God. And it's Jeff John's writing this, so it made perfect sense that, <laughs> that you could have brought him back from uh, Earth One. <laughs> we we need birthday boy appreciation day, man. But uh <laughs> Um, yeah, the last crime in Gotham, Jeff Johns, Kelly Jones. Wow, that's a crazy team up. Uh, it's this um, parallel universe or thought where uh, Batman, uh, he has like a new ace, the Bat Hound. We have um, Catwoman. So Batman and Catwoman are a little older. Their daughter is named what? A little older. <laughs> Echo. Echo. That's kind of cool. And you got, um, it looks like Damian Wayne all grown up, right? And they're investigating a crime. It's pretty much a, a birthday party where everybody's dead and there's 12 people each wearing a different holiday sweater. Um, but what's also interesting is that Calendar Man is there as well, dead as well. Mm-hmm. And then they, they were trying to figure out who did it. And then they also find Joker's son dead as well. And he left a note uh, pretty much, you know, Batman, Joker face, Jade 2, as in Jade Jr. Yeah, you have to note also that while they're investigating and, uh, you know, noting that, well, Calendar Man's here dead, yada, yada, uh, Gordon gets uh, gets a call that the Joker had died the previous night. Mm. Yeah. And there was a really cool quote. Batman says, someone who wanted to try and recreate the greatest crimes in Gotham in a single night. I love that, that they're referring to... Jeff Johns is referring to the Long Halloween crimes as the greatest crimes in Gotham City history, which I thought was really cool. Being that the Joker was found dead at the scene as well, I guess it was kind of like the suicide pact almost. They're all on top of what I'm assuming is uh, Gotham City uh, Police Department. Well, Bat says Gotham is safe tonight. He shuts the light down and tells Gordon to go spend it with his family. And then as he shuts the bat signal off you see it you see the bat signal in the air fade back into the clouds at night and then that fades into a candle like a birthday candle into a birthday cake candle and alfred asks batman if he's made a wish and batman just says nothing alfred leaves and says happy birthday sir and then you just see batman sitting there alone in the bat cave so was he imagining a better alternate life in this issue or what did you guys get from this i think that's what it was he was just kind of daydreaming in a way it was like his birthday wish before he uh yeah blew out the candle uh my favorite thing in here is just because i like you know the little things we see a lot of things like you know finger avenue and stuff like that uh the panel after you see batman looking at the note uh, you see the building outside with the little Marshall Rogers uh, nod on the sign, the neon sign. Oh, that was a Mr. Rogers or Steve Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was quite. I picked up on that too, and uh, that was yeah. That that's crazy, man. Jeff Johns, Kelly Jones, and uh, Long Halloween nod. I'm like, damn, man, you tease. <laughs> the next story, uh, the president with um, it's a story about Dick Grayson coming to Wayne Manor. Yeah, about. Uh... I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. It's rich. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Continue. 
Rick Grayson. Rick Grayson. <laughs> Rick. There you go. Rick, I'm sorry. Yeah, the uh, sort of about the decision of taking in children to, to bring into this life uh, at all. I think the whole purpose of this story was to show where Dick, Rick, Rich, whatever, Grayson was sworn in as Robin with the candle. You know what this always, you know what I've been thinking about recently? Jason Todd, Damian Wayne, Sandra Kane, Kate Kane, Sugar Kane, Cocaine. No, I mean, you know, like uh, <laughs> um, all these Bat family members, right? I would, I think it would be would have been really cool to see each one of them take the oath individually. Wouldn't that be cool? You have yeah. to do the whole. You have to swear in by the candlelight thing. I, I thought that would be really cool if if someone did a story or these side stories, showing them taking the oath because you kind of have to. If you're gonna yeah. work with Batman, so I think that would even be when cool. you join the Bat Force, you have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's either that or send nudes. <laughs> we, we all remember which one James chose. <laughs> but uh, that's a really you have cool to, uh, splash. At the have end. to sign your fealty to Hot Toys. Mm. <laughs> all right, a technic. This one that's kind of the last one before the the little Arkham Knight intro. This one was really cool too. It's um, basically all right. So Bruce Wayne showing up at the cemetery, going to his parents' grave. Right. This is t- uh, Tony Daniel and Joel Jones, by the way. Lead the bad families on the rooftops, waiting for him, and they're bickering. You have uh, Grayson and Damien bickering, and Duke and Jason Todd. Then spoiler and and uh, Tim Drake. Then uh, Barbara Gordon and Kate Kane, and then Huntress and Cass- and Cassandra Kane. Then you got Alfred and Catwoman going through the motions, going through the cemetery. Then he shows up at the rooftop. Is it the battering that takes the picture? Yes, yeah. So it's like, I think there's a battering in the wall that takes a picture of all them. They say to say cheese and he takes a huge group shot of the whole Bat family with him. And that's the picture that he leaves on his parents' grave. I, I like the whole build-up, you know, because while he's visiting his parents, you know, we see the shots of him visiting his parents' grave. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is on the rooftop where they've been summoned, and they're all sort of apprehensive, nervous about, you know, what's going on, why they were called here. <laughs> Jason Todd Big thinks he's going to get kicked out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, and then in the end, like, oh, okay, it's a family picture. <laughs> yeah. That reminds is me. Is that the, the first meeting of Batgirl and Batwoman? It's one of the interesting uh, interactions. Uh, so Batgirl asking Barbara how old she is, like, mm. why are you Batwoman and I'm Batgirl? Yeah. I, I think she slid in the detective run with Tynan, though, as well. Batgirl was, like, in and out. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. But, uh, but I think that might have been the first time they, like, properly interacted that way. I'll have to double check. But uh, Batman built his own family in that way, and he kind of wanted his parents to know that, and that's why he left that photo at the grave. So that was a nice that was a nice story. That was a good touch. I like how in, in, in these stories they put the mask on the dog too. <laughs> yeah. Funny. And Ace's face when he is looking at the camera, he's so oh dirty. Oh my god. I love that. But, I love but Ace. Alfred man. doesn't get a mask. What the fuck? Uh. <laughs> Not my fucking Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, so that was, and then the next story has a lot of cool art. Not even a story, but kind of just a build up to who this Arkham Knight character could be because it doesn't sound like it's going to be Jason Todd, but it is the same Arkham Knight suit from the video game. So that is really interesting to see a video game character crossing over into continuity. This is an interesting little introduction to him because what we get is a series of shots of Batman 
in brutal encounters with different members of the rogues gallery. And through each page, there's a, a pretty scathing critique of Batman's uh, standards and practices over the years. It, it finally ends with the presentation of the Arkham Knight. Mm. I love how our friend Doug Monkey, he basically gets a whole splash page to himself for every one of these panels. Yeah. Mm. It's not and like it's a big Dougie Doom. They don't call him Dougie Doom. He, uh, he pulled double duty uh, <laughs> on this stuff too because uh, he inked some of these uh, pages himself as well. Yeah. I mean, Doug's the man. Shout out to Doug. Oh, man, yeah. Doug. And I mean, he went off on these because I guess, you know, when you have. When you have the time and you're and you're not having to do all thirty pages, mm. you can just concentrate on you know six or seven or eight. Man, he really put in the work. Mm. He probably put in as much work on these eight pages as he does a full book, but mm. just kind of put in a little more because they're, gave they're it full due. splash page. You got to give oh, Detective yeah. One Thousand its due, boy, Doctor. Which one's your favorite one of these? Uh, the Man Bat. The, oh, the band that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. What about, what about one? the killer croc one in the Oh, oh, oh the favorite too. panel. Okay, never mind. I think yeah. it's my favorite story. Sorry. The freeze looks amazing. I love that one. There's a that are included in the story. That Bane is yeah. no joke, man. Oh, the Bane. But the I Bane, tell you, yeah. I have to go with Ivy because I love how that green looks <gasps> on her in this one. Look at that. It's just covering her body. No, that's a perfect now. villain green. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> uh, take it back, guys. <laughs> and that Bells is pretty good too. It's a uh, really cool in the Ivy Catwoman page as well. Uh, how Batman is all tied up in the vines, and then also in the background behind Ivy, the uh, Batmobile is suspended by vines as well. You know what? I gotta go with full of cats. He's right though. I gotta go with Man Bat. Man, the, the Man Bat is yeah. no joke. They're all why, so why would a hero tie Batman up in vines? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> a Shiro. Get him. Shiro. Get him. <laughs> Damn, Dougie Doo, Dougie Doo getting his due from DC each page, bro. Right. I gotta go. I gotta go. Bane as my number one, and then Man Bat, like very close second. So, so everybody, make sure you pick up your Detective Comics one thousand book, man, to get all this beautiful art, all the story, nice addition to your collection. Gonna, you know, it's beautiful. Midnight book. release. Release of this book will be happening simultaneously with this episode for Bat Force Radio. So, um. I guess For the record, through could... a midnight release, my ass is going to be at home. Damn. <laughs> Rob, you're not doing a midnight release? Nah. If he got the option to work, he'd probably stay home. Wait, are they doing one or like you're not doing one? No. Yeah, we're, uh, we're not doing you one. You Canadians are it, so it, patient. It, well, Robin gets it, a midnight release every up. week anyway, so he's good. To well, we, we all get week before release. Friday morning. Friday morning release. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, I guess we could all talk about our favorite story in Detective 1000. Also, uh, before we do that, one thing we uh, overlooked there, between those last two stories, <laughs> we get a couple uh, splash pages there. So we have the Mikkel Jamin oh, page, right. uh, the little War of Jokes and Riddles nod, and then that big two-page Jason Fabric one that was the cover art for the program at c2e2 mm. uh check bat force for our extensive coverage on c2e2 this year mm. nice all right dudes <laughs> time to give it some do um gramps what's your favorite story i gotta go with uh kevin smith damn great ghostwriter love his ghostwriter uh tom i gotta go with the bendis Maleev man 
Which one was that again? I know, bro. Oh, with the that penguin. Nice, one. yeah. That's really good. You just want that's because you want uh Batman Returns to come back. Nah, just say it hit me in the feels, man, right where I needed it. Shit. Uh Grumpy Grump. What's your favorite one, Grump? <sighs> man, I gotta go with the Kevin Smith, but uh shout out to Danny O'Neill. I think he killed oh, it on yeah, his story. Shit. Still got it. But uh Kevin Smith was my favorite. Yeah. Nice yeah. one. Uh Curve. Kevin Smith is definitely up there for me as well. Uh, the more I go back to it, and I want to give special acknowledgement to this one since Kevin's story is getting so much attention, uh, the Warren Ellis, Becky Cloonan story. Uh, that's, yeah, that was that was, that's my fa- yeah. That's the one I chose, Batman's Design by Warren Ellis. Uh, that, that one line, it just stood with me. It actually haunted me in a way when Batman said, look at me, I'm trapped in this place and all I do is haunt the living. Uh, is this what you want for yourself? And I'm like, just that's bat that's Batman writing, baby. That's Batman writing. So um great book, man. Go pick up Detect Man, what a celebration, man. One thousand issues of Detective Comics, man. Wow. That's crazy. And um Bats didn't come over until like one thousand you know, twenty seven, so when they hit the one thousand twenty seven issue, you could say Batman's been in a thousand issues of Detective Comics, so you know they could they could do that as well, but um. The whole book is just a treat, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Yeah, it was. It's a uh, it's quintessential Batman storytelling. You know? The home run. Yeah, it's uh, it reminds me of the quality of like the black and white volumes. You know, it's just uh, great storytelling from great teams. And people that you uh, aren't often going to get the chance to to see working on Batman stories. I know, like yeah. um, like Jeff Johns and Kelly Jones. That's crazy, man. It's just. Wow. So, Tom, how did Zack Snyder Con go? Man, it was, uh, well, to kind of give everybody a little rundown of what exactly it was, um, he had announced, uh, it's, I want to say maybe around a month ago, uh, shout-outs to, uh, I follow this guy named Robin D. Cross on Instagram, shout-outs to him. Um, he put up a post that uh, was the ticket link to, to purchase these uh, tickets for the event. But um, Snyder went to the Art Center, uh, Arts, what is it called? The school's name is the Art Center College of Design. So he's a graduate um, from there. That's like where he went to film school. And apparently, I mean, I'm such a Snyder noob. Um, I think that's where he met his wife, <laughs> Debbie. And uh, so he met Debbie Snyder there. And Larry Fong, his very close collaborator and director of photography, also graduated from there. Um, so he's like deeply rooted in that school and he goes back and every movie, I guess that he's done, he's done a screening for them first. Um, and it's a very, uh, it's awesome because I grew up in this area in the Southern California area, Pasadena, South Pasadena area. And it's like my, I grew up in that, that city, you know? Um, so I, it's, it's very cool to have gone there and checked out this event. But, uh, what he did was he was having a weekend, three day, three nights in a row, of uh, the director's cuts where um, you can either purchase um, a pass for one night um, individually for each night, or you can do a weekend pass. They were individually, they were a hundred dollars each night. Um, but you could, uh, I guess, get a price break when you went to the whole, all three, all the money went to um, the school. So what he did was he did this to raise the money to renovate their uh, screening room which is where we saw the films and um, Vero is who sponsored it. So that way they could, you know, they do, they fed us, they gave us alcohol. <laughs> um, 
they provided popcorn and water. Um, they had posters that you could purchase. There's still a website. If you check out Art Center College of Design, um, they have a, a website still where you can buy T-shirts and sweaters with a specific design made for the weekend um, that supports this school still. And uh, he decided to show Watchmen. Or I think the first night was Dawn of the Dead. Second night was Watchmen. And the third night was Batman vs. Superman. Um, and it's also the third uh, anniversary of Batman vs. Superman in theaters today, uh, a couple days out from when you guys were listening to this. Um, and, you know, there's just been a lot of talk over the last uh, several years, uh, specifically the last year after the whole debacle with Justice League. Um, there's been all this rumblings about uh, the Snyder cut and how they did Snyder dirty and this and that. The thing about the thing. So we at the bat force try not to delve too deep in this discussion, because uh, if you go on the internet, you see it, you see it enough where people are just literally like fighting each other, like crazy. Um, just going, going to town, just going to war. Uh, the, the, the Zack Snyder haters versus the, uh, the Zack Snyder fans. And uh, for me, it's funny to watch. I sit back and I watch the, uh, I watch the puppets dance, as I say. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just crazy. Like the, you really either love this director or you absolutely hate him. It, it's like there's no in between. Yeah, and, and it, uh, it's it's to the point that there are people who have their you know they try to build these little online communities around themselves that they try to say are you know. Uh, a place where everyone will be accepted for the things they like. But these same places will go out of their way to tear up Zack Snyder. Yeah. And call him sexist. I mean, you know, you look on it, you Google it. There's groups that call him sexist. There's groups that call him a rape apologist. Um, there's people that say that he believes in a whitewashed Aryan, uh, Aryan version of the DC universe, just insane, crazy things about this guy. And, you know, um, it's funny cause I met him and he is one of the nicest guys I've like one of the nicest high profile people I've ever met in my entire life. Um, he's a, he's like a dude. He's just the dude, you know? Anyways. So going back to what he was doing this weekend is, um, you know, he's, he's raising money for the design center. He's raising money for the school. He wants to renovate the auditorium. Coincidentally, it's also the third year anniversary of the film that he came out with, BBS. And, um, you know, there's all this, again, like I said, there's all this Justice League talk. Uh, that's, it's been about at least a year, I think, at this point. Anyway, so what was cool is that um, they were streaming the event live on Vero. So even if you couldn't get a ticket to go, it was in Pasadena, California. Um, so if you couldn't even get if you couldn't get here physically, you can at least watch it for free on Barrow. And you, they were showing the Q and A's after the film. So he did a Q and A first. He intros the film, uh, shows the film, does a Q and A afterwards, and then uh, I think after the first two nights, he just kind of went out into the lobby, and fans could walk up, say hello, shake hands, uh, get an autograph, um, take a selfie. And there was no real like I don't think there was like a real organization to that. They just kind of let him. Uh, mingle with people and um there's some video on the internet about that as well but very cool because you know he's a very beloved person from his fans and and um snyder is a kind of dude that like he sticks around where he lives so he lives in the pasadena area he works in the pasadena area and he stays in the pasadena area um he and I, i've seen many times like when he's checking in i'm like dude i know exactly where he is like i could go there right now if i was close but anyhow um we saw the link we decided to go drove up to the uh, school um, 
you know, like any other event, just jam-packed with specifically fans for him. There was no haters. I saw people, a couple people asking, did anybody troll him? Was anybody asking or critiquing him in the Q&A? Absolutely not. Like, everyone who was there was a fan who wanted to be there. Plus, you had to pay at least 100 bucks. So I don't think a troll is going to go out of their way to do that. Um, so, you know, we went to the last night. Me and, me and Legends of Lego Batman, we went to uh, the last night, which was BVS. Of course, we wanted to see that most, most of all. Um, I got lucky enough when uh, BVS came out the first time that I went to the uh, the fan screening of the trailer because the trailer leaked in Central America. Then it hit online and it was a bad quality. So Zack Snyder decided to show it in theaters. If you went on and logged on and you were lucky enough to get a chance to go, Gramps, I believe you did that as well. Um, and uh, we were able to see the the, uh, the teaser of BVS Um and then because of that, he actually also gave you a chance to see the movie um, uh, a week early. So uh, I took the posters that they handed out at that event three years ago um, that were made specifically for that event and I, within the hopes of getting it signed uh, the other night. So, you know, we go, we're sitting in the audience. Um, he does a little intro. They show the movie and he sat in the movie. He sat through the whole movie with all of us. I'm surprised he did that. I didn't think he was going to sit through the three hour fucking ultimate cut of it but he did um so afterwards uh the entire movie man like everyone's like everyone's cheering every time like a credit comes up for ben affleck gal gadot got the loudest uh loudest cheer even when it said uh yeah produced by debbie snyder her name got cheers larry fong got cheers um it was fucking nuts dude people were shouting out during the movie when shit was happening like when bat when bad flick first came on screen people were like that's my fucking batman um it was just like, you know, it was only Snyder fans watching the movie. And it was as fun as if, if you guys went to like an early screening of BVS. It was very similar. Um, so, you know, we watched the movie afterwards. They, they took us out into a cafeteria area. They gave us uh, dinner. They gave us drinks. And then they, sh they shuffled you back into the auditorium. And uh, they did a Q&A. And for the Q&A, they had Larry Fong, director of photography, Zack Snyder. Um, they had the dude that did the stunt, the stunt coordinator. Uh, Richard, who was Ben Affleck's stunt double, and then they had uh, what was his name? I forget his name, but he was the editor. And they were all answering questions. And um, you know, Legends and I were just kind of we were just like soaking it up. We didn't really we weren't really looking to ask questions or anything like that. But um, as the as the night's going on, you know, there's all these people that are asking questions, and and I thought that people were going to be way more direct about asking him like what happened and. Um, you know, are you going to release a Snyder cut and all that shit? And the thing for me is like, we've all talked about this and we've, we've kind of poured over it for so long. We're kind of at a point where we know it's not his call. You know, yes. he filmed, he filmed the, he filmed the movie. Um, whatever the reasons were, he came off the movie. He turned in what he had. Warner brothers owns that. So they own whatever cut he had. Um, however completed it was, that's their property. He can't do shit with it because it's not his, you know, they're not going to let him take anything with him to kind of start, you know, show. I mean, he has pictures that he took personally with his own camera, but that's as much as he's been leaking out. They're not going to let um, him make money off their right, material, their yeah. property. Right. right. So um, I don't think like us at the bat for I mean, we've we've like, oh, man, would it be awesome to see a, a Snyder cut? Right. But none of us have ever been like, this shit's going to happen. It's got to happen. We got to like start, we got to start petitioning and all this stuff. Like, I think we've all been pretty level headed about it where the guy got, he's off the movie. It's not his movie and they're not going to release it 
you know, they're not going to, they're not going to go and put out a product and then put out another product that they didn't even want to begin with to compete with it, you know, in any sense. Um, so that's kind of my mentality as I was going in. I was never really a believer so much as uh, in the Snyder cut, you know, whatever people are saying online. So as I'm sitting there in the q and I'm listening to these questions being asked and a couple of people asked some pretty cool questions, but overall it was really tame. And I remember thinking like, man, these people must not give a shit about like wanting to know when the Snyder cut's coming or whatever. And then there was a girl that asked the question who basically said, you know, um, the nightmare, she asked about the nightmare scene and she pretty much asked like, what happened? Like you were supposed to take this, this idea that you had and we were supposed to see it play out. What happened? And that's when he goes into a five minute rant about his story and where it was going to go. So according to Zack Snyder, um, when BVS came out, when Batman vs Superman was finished filming, he went back. This was when it was finished filming. He went back and he wrote the script for Justice League with Chris Terrio. So BVS, done filming. They're editing it. They're putting it together. Hasn't been released yet. Before it even got released in the theater, him and Chris Terrio finished the script for Justice League. And that's what he told us uh, at night, which is what we also posted on our Instagram. And if you check the video, it's a five-minute video where him explaining that the nightmare scene was supposed to play out where... Um, I, we didn't put this in there too, but the he had a post-credit teaser that he had in Justice League. The post-credit teaser for Justice League was supposed to be Bruce Wayne in the Batcave with Wonder Woman. And Bruce tells uh, Wonder Woman, I stood right there and Barry Allen told me that Lois Lane was the key. And Wonder Woman says, yes, every heart has one. Lois was Superman's. So kind of alluding to that scene and that was supposed to be the the final uh, teaser of i guess justice league um after he had been after his script had been edited then he told us what his original script his unedited first draft script with chris terrio was so after bvs in justice league they beat they beat um steppenwolf the steppenwolf goes away but then a boom tube opens up and at the very end that's when the justice league are looking into the boom tube and they're looking at dark side and so it's showing that Darkseid is going to be this bigger threat. Um, later on, at some point, I think uh, he talks about how um, the whole nightmare sequence was leading up to a point where Darkseid comes back to Earth and fights the Justice League and he, be he defeats the Justice League. Darkseid takes over the Earth, basically. Um, he booms into the Batcave, I guess, where Batman is protecting Lois Lane. He kills Lois Lane in the Batcave which Superman then blames Batman for. And then Superman succumbs to the anti-life equation. Um, uh, the war that, 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 that is created because of that kills Aquaman, kills Green Lantern, kills Wonder Woman. Um, Cyborg is cut in half but survives. So now it's Batman, half a Cyborg, and, and Flash who are left kind of fighting um, in the nightmare scene. I almost wanted to ask, damn, was that Cyborg that gets chopped in half by Superman in that scene, in the nightmare scene? Um, by by his beams and uh, so b basically at that point then Superman um, I'm sorry Batman Flash and Cyborg are then trying to figure out how the fuck do we go back in time and like save save from what what this world's become and Cyborg and Flash create a portal uh, to go back in time and that's when Cyborg asks Batman which one they, they create two portals you know two opportunities to do it and Cyborg asks Batman which one do we choose and Batman says, if, what, what would you have chosen if you had not asked me that right now? And he goes, points right. 
And then Batman says, then let's go left because you've obviously already chosen that before. And that's what failed and led Barry to my cave telling me those you know things. So he's, he's going off. He's telling these stories. Everyone's freaking the fuck out. Right. And uh, at that point, the staff are kind of like, it's the end of the night. You know, this, this is already like 20, 30 minutes into the Q and a, the staff very much understand that they have to get this shit wrapped up and they still want to give everybody an opportunity to have a signing with Zach after. So th- they start wrapping it up. They start telling people, okay, that's enough. No more. But you know, they're, they're kind of like not letting people like answer any more questions. So I'm like, I'm in the back and, and uh, the guy like comes over to me and he goes, you got a question? I'm like, yeah, sure. And I, they had asked the question I was going to ask because my question was, where did the nightmare scene lead? And was that going to, how was that going to play into your version of Justice League? So in my mind, like he's fucking told us what the Snyder Cut is, right? Also in my mind, I know that you we're not going to see the Snyder Cut because he doesn't own it. So unless Warner Brothers decides to show it, we're not going to fucking see that movie like anytime soon. No matter how many petitions you sign, no matter how much you bitch on the internet, no matter what you do, Warner Brothers is not going to fucking like wipe the slate clean from what they've done and say, oh yeah, we fired Zack Snyder, but you know what? Here's the Snyder Cut anyway. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So because of that, you know, my mind is not like, when are you going to release the Snyder Cut? My mind's like, the guy's like, you have a question? And I'm fucking like, fuck, yeah, I got a question. Uh, and I had to think quick, like, what the fuck am I going to ask? You know, so I go, oh, you know what? Um, I know that Snyder has a connection to the football team that his son played for in Pasadena because those guys wore the fucking Metropolis uniforms before the movie even came out. They played in those uniforms for that football. So I want to know. So like, hey, how the fuck did that football team end up with the Metropolis uniforms? And he laughed at it and he like actually liked the, the question. So he answered it. He explained that, you know, they, he designed the, the helmets. He designed the uniforms. Um, he asked if after the film they can donate it to his kids' uh, football team. Um, then he went to, I think it was either Nike or Under Armour, and he asked them to donate gloves and pads and shit to them. And so, um, you know, he liked the question. And at that point, people start filing out and lining up. And then, like, later on, as I get home, Falco Kick DMs me. He's like, hey, I saw the Q&A on Vero. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, well, you were the one that asked that last question, right? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, dude, the Internet's fucking like furious at you and i'm like (laughs) i'm like what and he goes the internet fucking wants your blood dude and i go what are you talking about and he's showing me these these screenshots of reddit boards and uh like like twitter and and all these people are so angry that i asked the question that i asked and i didn't like ask about the snyder cut everyone wanted me to be the guy to say when are you going to release the snyder cut but because I fucking know it's not coming out. I'm not going to, you know, why would I ask that? Why would you uh, want to be that guy? Well, every, that's the thing is apparently the internet wanted everyone to be that guy. They want, they were expecting everyone to ask those questions. And there was a whole movement on Twitter. There was a whole movement on Vero Dude, that, where people, <laughs> that's like asking they were, trunks when he's going to the post office, bro. <laughs> <laughs> they were, tr- they were trying to pump everybody up who, who everyone who was saying like, Oh, I'm going to go to this event. Everyone was like, you better ask him about the Snyder cut. You better fucking ask him when we're getting it. And so there's all these people online. Oh yeah, no, don't worry. I'll do it. If I blah, 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 blah. And Oh, I had a second part of my question that he actually didn't answer. My second part was, what was the favorite? What was your favorite thing? Cause he said earlier, uh, the most fun he had on the set was playing with the gadgets and the props. And I was going to ask him, what is your favorite thing that was designed for this movie that you saw come to life? Like, was it a, the Batmobile a specific prop, but you know, the noise started getting drowned out by the by the moderator trying to get everybody to leave that he didn't ask he didn't ask the question but um 
Yeah, so I'm, I'm on Twitter looking at these people like fucking that guy. That guy dropped the ball. How the fuck did you go from talking about Justice League to asking about the jerseys? What the fuck? And I'm like laughing my ass off. This is the funniest shit ever. So the internet hates me. And if you're nerds, yeah, oh god. If you're if you're listening to this, I'm the guy that asked the stupid fucking question at the end, and I could not be happier that you're mad at me. Oh my god, <laughs> because I now know what it feels like to do something so innocent, but it be the fucking worst thing that can ever be done to somebody. And yeah, it's so you, funny. You, you, were, you were supposed to waste your opportunity and by asking him a question that doesn't have an answer. Right. Because he can't do anything. His hands are tied. Right. So, so I'm reading about this early in the day. I'm reading and my eyes are rolling and whatever. And I'm like, I'm expecting like one of these, you know, idiots has to ask about the fucking Snyder Cut. You know? <laughs> they created the hashtag and the, you know, whatever... Internet handles, Snyder Cut, whatever. And I'm like, oh, man, they're roasting this last guy. Like, who's this guy? And he asked about football teams. And I'm like, oh, man, I feel bad for this poor bastard. He's just getting roasted online. (laughs) 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 The best part about it, the best part is like, yeah, no, I I was seeing some of the tweets. Like, what a fucking idiot, this, that, guys. It, I could not give a fuck less. <laughs> like, it is so funny to me that these people are losing their shit over a question that we already know the answer to. It's it's hilarious. But you know, as, as, if, as if you asking that question is going to lead to, oh, okay, well, I wasn't going to talk about this, but it's coming out next month. Right. <laughs> yeah. And the thing, too, is that um, people later in the, in the signing, they went, you know, because he was talking to people afterwards. Um, so he, like, four or five people asked him, and he told them, he's like, I don't own it. Um, there's about there's about 10 different cuts that we made. Um, so we'd have to go back and choose one and finish it. And, oh, by the way, we need millions of dollars to do that. And it's up to Warner Brothers. So it's like it's so fucking funny. But uh, I just I got a kick out of that, that uh, I was I was the Internet's most hated person for a couple <laughs> hours last night. But um, overall, uh, awesome experience. Um Got some posters signed. Got a selfie with him. Um, very cool experience, man. Like uh, he was—he was a very, very. I mean, the, to put himself in that situation where he's just kind of exposing himself to any question. No one. There was no filtering of questions. Um, Warner Brothers was not there. No one was telling you what you couldn't ask. He literally was just out there for fans, which was very, very cool. So, did you ask him how much he deadlifted? <laughs> dude, he probably does a lot. He fucking. Puts he's in, a fucking beast, dude. <laughs> he is. What yeah, a, I wonder what his uh, I wonder if it was peanut M and M. That would have been. Uh, you should have asked that question. See what that's the nerds all That's the question you should have asked. <laughs> right, right, right. No. Yeah. He was dancing around the issue for a little bit at the beginning. He didn't want to say anything about Warner Brothers. He didn't want to say anything uh, about specifically that. And he, you, he was asked about, um, he avoided any talk, talk about Joss Whedon, because people mentioned Marvel, people mentioned Joss Whedon, he completely avoided that. Um, someone asked about the fact that uh, David Ayer had said that he was going to use Steppenwolf and uh, the Parademons, and Zach said that, oh, you know, I didn't know that. We had talked about stuff, but we never got that far to where he told me that that was what he was going to use, and I never, knew, I never knew that to begin with. It's not like I told him he couldn't, but I'm sure... That uh, Warner Brothers at some point said, no, Zach's already doing that. You can't do that or vice versa. But something that was really interesting that he did mention, and we've seen it before, 
is uh, he talked about um, he ha- he draws out every scene from the movies. So he'll take the script and he'll literally draw out uh, every shot that he wants to do. And he'll show that to Larry Fong and he'll show that to his editor. And that's what like they won't even use a script as much as they'll use that as a guide for exactly how they want to do it. And so um, somewhere Zach has a storyboard, all of what he did for Justice League uh, from beginning to end, uh, some version of it. So at least that's out there. Um, another thing that's real is that, you know, him and Chris Terrio wrote that first draft for Justice League, the crazy, the fucking crazy version where all that stuff's in there. So that exists and that's out there somewhere with Warner Brothers. So at the very least, like, that would be amazing if that got leaked and you can actually read that version of the script. So more more than like the Snyder Cut, I want to read that script. You know, I want to see where that was going. So. Um, but yeah, man, you know, it's funny because, uh, I feel like, uh, it would have put these like rumors to bed about Snyder cut and this and that, but it's just as strong as it's ever been online and people are still bitching about it <laughs> and uh, who knows if they're ever going to stop, but yeah. yeah, that's good shit, man. Shouts, shout to Zack Snyder, man. Three years, Batman versus Superman, the most talked about superhero movie in history at this point. Most argued about for sure. Yeah, and it, like definitely yeah. d- draws the most hate. Like Zach himself draws more hate <laughs> than any other comic book movie maker, and and I I don't get it. like I can understand where his vision on movies uh, divides people. You know, very strong styles, and that that always divides people. But the guy is so passionate about it. like one of my favorite things to talk about when it comes to BVS is the fact that I got to watch filming of it in Detroit and watching like I was feet away from Zach while they were uh, walking through you know you know he was just directing how the scene uh, you know exactly was going before uh, doing the takes and he looks so happy being there doing that Mm. like you can tell that he's a fan of what he's doing and he absolutely loves every minute of doing it Mm. So I just don't get how people who are fans can can hate on someone who loves this shit as much as we do. I I tweeted about this earlier. I said, I don't know what's funnier. Zack Snyder fans asking him when he's going to show a movie that he owns no rights to or Zack Snyder haters uh, raging about an idea that he didn't even film. Like, (laughs) you know, that that whole concept of... um, that story, that crazy story that he wrote in the script, but you know, it never went anywhere. Warner brothers was like, no fucking way you're doing that. We're not doing that. You know, Mm -hmm. of course they were going to have to say that. So he didn't do it, but he was talking about that. He wrote a script about it. All these people online are so angry that like he even dared to think to try to do that. And it's like, you know, you don't have to be mad because he didn't fucking actually do it. Right. (laughs) Like it doesn't exist. You're getting mad about something that doesn't exist. So it's funny. It's just like, He's so polarizing, and it's just so fascinating to see people, like, freak the fuck out about him. But, you know, like I said, um, fucking one of the nicest guys I've ever met in any sense. Like, he was so happy to be there. He was just taking the time to talk to everybody, answering every question that he could. Uh, Debbie, his wife, just was – she seemed like a fucking soccer mom. She was so, like, proud and happy to be there. Mm. It's very, very sweet and nice. It was a good time, man. They were great hosts, so – I don't know how you can hate that guy, and I don't know how you can think that you know, he hates a group of people or something like that. It's crazy. I want Zack Snyder to direct the Spawn movie. 
That's what I want. Oh damn! Can you imagine? Like, I think he, I think he more so than him. Todd. Iron Man fucking sucked. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically, what he said in that interview. Iron Man, you take an Iron Man, you put another one, he fucking sucks. <laughs> it's true. Hey, I'll tell you what, the man spun him. Fuck up, Iron Man, boy. <laughs> I don't doubt that. Shit, man, that'd be good. But uh, uh, are you guys planning to see Shazam opening day or opening week? I should say. You mean Shazam? <laughs> Shazam. Captain I have Marvel. to watch. I have to watch the real Captain Marvel first, <laughs> and then I'll watch Shazam. I finally oh, watched man. part of a Black Panther the other night. Mm. I got really curious, so I saw the uh, Killmonger versus uh, Chala fight. Uh, brutal as fuck, man. Holy shit. And when he stabs him in the chest or whatever. Yeah, I didn't expect to see that. He, well, spoilers. Throws him over a fucking cliff, guys. <laughs> Some good shit. Some good shit. Um, and, uh... How about Zach Levy trolling Captain Marvel? Oh, that was funny. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't think he'd do it, but he's drinking the Captain Marvel cup. <laughs> well, he did it first, really. He did. I'm like, that's my Captain Marvel. Shazam. You know that is one thing I couldn't I couldn't uh, picture someone else more deserving uh, to be in a well received movie and to be embraced and adored by fans at this level than Zach Levi. He's so perfectly cast. I yeah, just He's, he it, was born it, for it. Dude. it He's a great. Me, it makes me wonder if th- this is where the DCU should have started off first before getting into Batman and Superman. Yeah, winning people. I mean, over. although although I say, I do say and I. You know, just like you guys, I do stand beside Man of Steel. I think that's a great movie Love and absolutely way to kick off. You know, the right. DC best Superman movie ever. At yeah. Legends, I, I, that go at Legends. But if if they began with this movie and then things delved into <laughs> into BVS territory, then you'd have you know a bunch of families and kids that that watch Shazam like oh this oh. is this is so <laughs> <Yeah>. nice <laughs> oh my god what is happening these bra- well, branding people and shit <laughs> i was hoping that someone would ask snyder if he wished he had made a solo batman movie first before b versus s i think they just had a rough beginning and i liked most of the movies the only movies i didn't like were suicide squad and justice league but um they they just had a little bit of a, a, a um Little yeah. um, turbulence in the beginning, but um, with all these different movies having the different tones, like you have Wonder Woman and Aquaman, now Shazam. It's like when they said Worlds of DC, it's like they each movie has their is very distinct and has its own specific tone. It really makes for a great collection of uh, DC movies, man. Like right. When you put them all together, you're like, oh, we got something. Now we have something here, man. Yeah. What a testament too to to like go through what. DC went like the films, you know, like they 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 did BVS. It fucking split the the fans in half. They did Justice League. It lost almost everybody else, mm. and then to come back and still like have the have the weight of Wonder Woman, have the success of uh, Aquaman, have the ball rolling for Captain or I'm sorry, uh, Shazam. Like uh, it's it's crazy. Like you wouldn't think that they'd be like people are like, how is this franchise not fucking dead? And it's not. It's like it's still got life. It's still got legs and. Uh, well, you know, it's, you it's, know what? I've been hearing these. I've watched some of these uh, other reviewers and these, hard, you know, hardcore Marvel fans too, and a lot of them are getting bored of the Marvel movies. Like I know this one guy. I ain't name his name, but he, he's a hardcore Marvel fan. He's just, he said he was bored with Infinity War, and he's just getting sick of the. He said they're just way too predictable now, 
And then he's starting to really like what DC's doing. And now with Endgame coming, after Endgame, you know, that's like the big load, right? DC's starting to pick up. So hopefully we'll see a shift in the um, the superhero movie climate where you have, you know, more distinct movies that uh, maybe are not so predictable. Like I said, where does Shazam get the right to be this good of a movie? It's like... One thing I saw online, you were talking about... Uh opinions changing on the marvel stuff i've seen uh discussions break down into arguments where you know, different fans of the mcu have gotten into really bitter hateful arguments where they're arguing about which of the mcu movies are the worst and you know, they, they just start going at each other's throats at, at like, all your movies have been successful. Why, why do you have to fight about which one was the worst? And it, it, uh, it reminded me of mm. Bane <laughs> in, uh, in Dark Knight, uh, Dark Knight Rises. Victory has defeated you. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> it's, well, I thought you were going to say something like uh, when a Heat Ledger Joker breaks the pool stick in half and gives one to each Marvel fan. And <laughs> 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 just... But, uh, I mean, I don't blame him because, like, last year I watched every Marvel movie because I was like, these guys talking so much shit. Let me see what it's about. And I, I was I was just like, it's like the same shit over and over again. And, you know, I think we were talking about it earlier and Teases mentioned, too, about how, you know, Disney knows how to make you feel like you're supposed to see their movie or you're supposed to take your kid to Disneyland or Disney World and nowhere else. You know, they know how to do that. But, well, shit, like, what's left now? Holy fuck. Yeah, so, like, they're just getting bored. I mean, with, with Aquaman and now Shazam, man, I mean, fucking, where the, where the fuck does Shazam yeah. get the balls yeah. to do this? These, these mo- like, those movies have no right to be this have been as well-received as they were. So good. Mm-hmm. And I was telling Robin, I was like, you know, if, if you th- if you can make a Aquaman movie this good and then a Shazam movie this good... Like, you know, do more characters. Like, the, the three I have in my head now are Martian Manhunter, Dr. Faith, and uh, Mr. Miracle. Oh, Dr. Faith, dude. I'm like, you could do so much with these. Maybe I just have a thing for capes, but, I mean, you could just do so much with these characters, man. And helmets. Yeah. Because, um, like, yeah, when you guys see Shazam, you know what I'm talking about. Like, uh, Dude, you got they got to do, like, an Indiana Jones slash Gladiator-style Hawkman movie. All right, wait, all right yeah. let's, let's go around yeah. the table. Yeah. Let's go around the table. Um... Each one you you get, um, Warner Brothers is like, we're gonna make a movie of the DC character that you want. All right. Can't be Batman. Can't can't be Batman. Should it be Gotham? No. No Gotham. No Trinity. No Trinity. It could be Gotham, but no Trinity. It could be Gotham, but no Trinity. Yes. Okay. Well, Trinity's already done, so we're thinking something new too. So, uh, I know I think I know who Gramps is gonna say, but uh, let's start with Robin. Robin, who? Uh, what DC character would you like to see get a movie? Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is possibly already going to happen. Uh, it's my hope that the New Gods movie that Ava DuVernay is making oh, will be a Mr. Miracle movie. Yeah, that'd be pretty I, cool. I think it's with, with the popularity of Mr. Miracle right now from uh, the miniseries that Tom King and Mitch Garrods did, you know, and it won Eisner's. Uh, Mr. Miracle is as well-known as he's ever been, you know, as... He, as well known as he's ever going to be without uh, having a live action movie. So I think it's uh, a perfect storm for Ava DuVernay's movie to be focusing on uh, the story of New Genesis versus Apocalypse and you know, the, the 
peace agreement where they traded sons and then we see Scott grow up and have to escape apocalypse and you have the, you know, they, they like to have the relationship aspect in a movie. So you can have part of that being, um, so you're doing Scott a team movie. Uh, no, not, no, not like that, but you know, have the, the relationship between Scott and Barda and, you know, Scott's trying to, to flee this planet while, Barda is part of the female furies and should be stopping him from doing this. Yeah. And if they, if the plan is to introduce him for, for the purpose of bringing him into the wider world of the other movies, you could even make it super accessible by having the movie begin and end with a narration by someone like Wonder Woman, you know, telling a story of, you know, this is a story of another world that, that you'll need to know, you know, it's just telling the story to somebody and, yeah. and maybe that sets up, you know, you, you need to know this because uh, Mr. Miracle is joining the justice league or whatever. Right. Robin would just went full nerd, man. <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time thinking about this one. <laughs> oh, <shit>. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about you, Grumpy Grump? Hawkman, definitely. Oh, nice. That's Boom! that's who I. Like, that's you stole Gramps' young, slot. <laughs> a and, young Russell Crowe, like like make it like Gladiator, like oh yeah, just brutal. <laughs> Grant's gonna have to choose another one now. But, you know, since, since we didn't get to see him as Batman, what about John Hamm as Hawkman? I'd be good at that. Yeah, 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 yeah I can see that. I can see that. John has the man. What about I you? mean, he needs to bulk up. Like, which Hawkman are we talking about? Are we talking like uh, Savage Hawkman, John's Hawkman, or kind of the newer version? Wait, there's, there's rumors of a Hawkman movie. And they're gonna have like some uh, like a Muslim guy playing him or something. And there's been some rumor. I don't know. You know, like I could, I could go with that. I some, mean, same uh, as Egyptian. Yeah, it's like. I heard some rumors, but you know, rumors are just rumors. But uh, I could see him getting a movie. Hawkman is definitely one of those um, sleeping giants, I think, in in comics and in in a you know potential movie yeah. that they could. Yeah, he uh, definitely uh, deserves some due. Then you could take, de- you could bring in Hawkgirl the too. Of Hawk. Yeah. Yeah, you could also bring in Hawkgirl and do a lot of things with all them. So, Nth Metal, you know. So, uh, all right, Tom, what about you? Um, you know, um. I was thinking about it. Um, give me a horror suspense man bat movie. Damn. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Just man bat. I don't even need Batman in it. Just just do a man bat origins. Well, it's like Maybe. if you ever watch Jeepers Creepers, man, it's like right. you know, shit like that. Like, and if you want to make it even little uh, little current um, – uh, Justice League Dark, maybe throw in like you know, it's it's Man Bat trying to figure out who he is, and so maybe throw in like a little bit of a Swamp Thing cameo in there. Um, maybe, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I really want to see like Man Man Bat, Man Bat yeah. for sure. Now, would you want him to be the hero of the movie or be like he's the villain? You know, it's where he's just well, he's trans- like a werewolf. Yeah, it's like a werewolf movie. Yeah. So it could yeah, be so, like so kind of like the fly, where yes, he's the main yeah. character, but he yeah. he evolves and right. he's like, yeah, that'd be cool. Oh, the fly cool. ends really fucked up though, so yeah. maybe like not that ending. Uh, maybe like before he gets to that point, he gets control over mm. over uh, the man bat and uh, oh, Doctor Langstrom. You know, because Doctor Langstrom's a good guy and he's just trying to save uh, um, 
you know, he's he's not he's he's, he's, he's got. A, yeah, he's got. It's a tragic story, and he's got. Uh, he's got a good heart, and it's not like he's I a bad his guy. Wife, but he just, doesn't his wife become a bat too? Yeah, friend. Yeah, yeah. That could yeah be. So. Oh, in the freaking um, in the Arkham was it the Arkham Knight game was so cool when you have to yeah. find his lab and shit. That was. You have to fucking jump on his ass while he's flying. Yeah, I was. I was. I actually wanted them to do that, and it happened. And I was like, "Whoa, was somebody listening?" Or they just that was crazy because I was like, "How cool would it be if he's in the sky and you got to capture him and." And then they did yeah, that, man. Like uh, on Leather Wings. And uh, if for anyone that was playing the game back when it came out, remember, so after you finally capture him uh, in, in the storyline, you lock him up in that, in that tank in the GCPD. But then the, the game uh, developers threw in that Easter egg that came on Halloween. Mm-hmm. So if you were playing the game on Halloween, at some point, like it, it, it would trigger when you... Uh, like uh, grapnel launched up to a building, up to a rooftop, that as you got to the rooftop and you were about to hop up as normal, Man Bat would just jump out right in front of your face, screaming at you, mm-hmm. and then he would fly away. And yeah. then if you go back to the GCPD, you find out that he broke out. That was kind of cool that they did that on Halloween. The Gramps. All right. Well, uh, you guys have listed uh, some of my top choices. Um, but... How about a cool, almost a comedy version of Robin Dawn from Dark Knight Returns? You know, oh, nice. the two, the two, you know, kind of funny mutant gang members, and and just seeing a day in their in their life, almost like a Bill and Ted adventure, kind of. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really fun, actually. Oh, this shit. stuff, prepare to slice and dice. Yeah, you know, That's because funny. they're 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 like. They're kind of the comedy element of the mutant gang, you know, because they're not like hardcore killers and stuff like that. Yeah, I love them. I love Dark Knight Returns is so brilliant. I love when he wrote, they're talking to each other. He's like, Batman don't shiv. I was like, that's so badass. That's like street shit. Like, you know, there's some hardcore motherfuckers, but they're like, yo, chill, Batman don't fuck around. Like, it's it had this raw element to it when they talked like that about Batman. So. Yeah, I could see that 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 would be interesting. I could see animated short of that actually, Gramps, like uh, a standalone animated short as well of those guys, mutant leaders. He was thinking ahead of his time because the whole body modification, almost like animal hybrid thing, that's like futuristic thinking, you know. And they were thinking yeah. about this shit in the '80s, so um, definitely has potential. I would like to see like Paul Pope's take on something like that too. That raw. Grimace. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Man, like, if I were to be greedy, I would like something. If, if if someone could pull off a Justice League Dark with Constantine, Zatanna, Deadman, Entrican, Swamp Thing. Deadman would be sick. If they could pull, would be if, great. Anything if you, with Zatanna. Yeah, like, if I would... So, I, if you could pull oh. off Justice League Dark, that would be good. But if you could pull off... I, I'm kind of split between a Zatanna and a Doctor Fate. Well, could you throw in um, Huntress? Well, we're, we're, we're getting that, and uh, it doesn't look <laughs> well, too promising. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like well, par- party are city. Are we cuts. really? Though? We we are, and we aren't. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's one of those cases where the CW does a Batwoman costume more brilliantly than an actual movie does. So yeah, good, good choices, man. Heroes. Any villains? Any like villain movies that you guys would want to see? 
because uh, we're getting a Joker Obvious, movie. So obviously, uh, Deathstroke. Yeah, Deathstroke. Mm, that would sure. be amazing. Joe, you got to be Joe. You know, and and that would be cool if Marv Wolfman had a little cameo in it. Yeah, <laughs> and and get uh, get Marv's, George Perez in there too. Marv's no joke, man. That guy is that guy's inspiring as hell. Fucking. 72 playing more more video games than me. He's probably got Mortal Kombat pre-ordered already, too. That fucking... <laughs> Right, well, that's going to do it for another episode of Bad Force Radio. Everyone, make sure to pick up Detective Comics issue number 1000, man. What a milestone in Batman mythology. It's just just amazing. Great book, great read, great art. Don't tell them the Bat Force sent you. So on the way out, Robin, do you have something you want to ask us? I do. Where the fuck is Captain Trunklefingers? <laughs> hey, Gotham Dwellers. Make sure to stop everything right now. And subscribe to Batforce Radio. We can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't miss out. Guaranteed to satisfy all of your Batman and DC needs.